listening to Game On DC, your home for local gaming and esports news in the DMV. Find the show on social media at Game On DC and by using the hashtag GoDC. Without further ado, here are your hosts, John and Joey. What's up, DMV? Welcome to Game On DC, the podcast dedicated to you, the gamers and esport fanatics right here in the East Coast capital of esports. My name is John, and I am joined by the one and the only, yes, I am talking about the king of the courtside, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, I am doing well. It feels good to be back. Back to recording GoDC. Back to recording GoDC. And Joey, uh, I heard a rumor. I heard a a rumor on the Twitters, if you will. Uh, On the Twitter, I saw a tweet from our GoDC account saying that there's going to be more episodes of GoDC in the future. What's up with that? That is correct, good sir. So... After some discussion, John and I have been back and forth on this one here and there because we were a bi-weekly show and then we got held back. So there's a few more weeks in between because we had we were waiting on interviews or we were waiting on getting some information for events. And we just decided, hey, in order to serve the DMV to the best of our ability, we are going to go to a weekly show. So we'll be recording most likely every Sunday, hopefully releasing in the Monday, Tuesday time frame to get you guys the events that are coming up that week, as well as to give you a more weekly update on the esports scene. So we're excited moving forward, John. We might not have an interview for every single episode, but we will have some great content for our fans to listen to. I am excited about this. Like Joey said, we've been going back and forth about this for a while, uh, so we couldn't be uh, any happier, any more excited, really, to be doing this now on a weekly basis, just covering everything awesome esport and gaming wise in the in the DMV. Uh, so I'm super excited about it, Joey. You kind of sound excited about it. Oh, I'm uh, stoked so about this. <laughs> I think it's gonna be great. And and we have Joey moved into his new house now too. So so we can we can definitely go forward with uh, more recordings now. Also, <laughs> Joey, let's go ahead and kick off episode eight right now with around the gaming beltway. Local gaming news, guys. There's a ton happening in the DMV, but we're gonna highlight on a few that we've either seen pop up on social media that we've gotten messages about. And we're just gonna dive right in with Tech Time Gaming Lounge. They're hosting a Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled Singles Tournament on Saturday, August 10th. The tournament will start at 4 p.m., but it is recommended that participants arrive by 3.30 p.m. to check in. If you're interested, please head over to smash.gg to register. John, I actually haven't played very much Crash Team Racing. I'm more of a Mario Kart guy myself, but I could see this being a lot of fun. Joey, if you've never played the old-school game of Crash Bandicoot Team Racing... You need to experience this. This this game title, I believe it was on the original PlayStation, an awesome childhood favorite of mine. Uh, right up there with Mario Kart. I'll give Mario Kart the edge here, but Crash Bandicoot Team Racing is right behind it. I think this is an absolutely fantastic tournament idea. I'm probably going to try to swing by to catch uh, some of the action too. Uh, who knows? I may even uh, enter the race here and there. It's, it's been it's been a little bit. Ooh. It's been a little bit since I played a little uh, Crash Team Racing. Uh, but it's cool. It's really cool to see these old retro titles kind of make this like uh, retro comeback into a competitive scene like this. So uh, I'm really excited to see Tech Time uh, putting on Crash Bandicoot Team Racing here. I, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I, I have a feeling it's going to get a pretty good turnout. Yeah, racers in general are just very fun to watch just because there's constantly stuff going on. Again, I don't know too much about Crash Team Racing, but I'm assuming there's kind of items built in like we see with Mario Kart. Is that right? Uh, something along those lines. You know, they're, they're, the different courses have different obstacles and like different like launch pads or speed burst pads or or random animals that will cross the middle of the raceway. I, I wouldn't say it's fairly similar to uh, uh, Mario Kart. It does have its own unique twist on it. 
Um, but but the general idea behind it is is pretty straightforward. Right. And that to me is so much more fun to watch than something like a NASCAR. As much as I love watching people drive around a track, I think the video game racing aspect brings a lot more fun to it with the items or whether it be the course changing or whether it be the course adapting because of different things happening around the course. I just feel like there's so many more factors in racing video games and I really like the virtual aspect of this. And I think a singles tournament for this is going to be a lot of fun. We just had the Fortnite World Cup, but hey, Microsoft's not done yet. Microsoft is hosting a Fortnite Battle Royale North American Championship. It will run in three phases at participating Microsoft stores. It will run in three phases at participating Microsoft stores. Phase one will be local qualifiers on Saturday, August 10th from 3 to 9 p.m., with phase two being a regional qualifier on Saturday, August 17th from 3 to 9 p.m., that's a $9,000 prize pool on those regional qualifiers. Then from there, we head into phase three, where there will be a championship on Saturday, August 31st from 3 to 7 p.m. with an additional 6000 on the line. You can register for that at smash.gg. You know, it's not $3 million for winning Fortnite, but I'm going to tell you right now, you win the regional qualifier and you're the national champion uh, in this North American championship series they're putting on. Uh, that's a cool what uh, if if my math is correct 15k I don't know about you but you know I, I'm I know I'm a little bit older than 16 but 15k would still go a long way for me well it wouldn't quite be 15k so it's 15k in the prize pool I don't know the breakdown I would think first place gets a hefty portion of that uh, maybe close to 50% or so between them would be my guess, but I don't really 100% know on that one. But overall, I mean, who doesn't like money, John? I mean, regardless of what amount you're getting, most likely in the thousands for winning these here, I think everyone can be happy with the prizes. No prize pool. I want winner take all. The, the, the second place, <laughs> first loser. I don't like that. Winner takes all. Well, I will let you contact Microsoft on this one and let me know what they get back to you on. They won't. It's fine. <laughs> GEX Esports, along with the NCS Academy, will be hosting an all-day CSGO boot camp LAN on Saturday, August 10th. Sign up online at GEXesports.com. $25 to enter online. If you come the day of, it's an additional $5 for a $30 cost. So, Joey, what I'm taking away from all of this is that there is a lot going on on August 10th. So, if you are a gamer, if you are looking to get into competitive gaming, if you're looking to dip your toe into the esports world and you want to check out you know, a Fortnite tournament, or you want to check out CSGO, or you want to check out, uh, check out uh, Crash Bandicoot Team Racing, August 10th is going to be your weekend, so definitely check out these events. And Joey, I'm pretty sure there's some awesome events going on later in the week as well, and coming up uh, at some of our other local gaming centers. Right, John. And guys, we cannot cover every single event going on in the DMV on this show, so be sure to also check out our local gaming center websites and social media accounts as well. They have regularly scheduled events that happen throughout the week. Those centers, that at least that we have listed so far, are the Cave Gaming Center in Fairfax, Virginia, Soul PC Game Center in Annandale, Virginia, Tech Time Gaming Lounge, which we mentioned above, in Woodbridge, Virginia, iBattle Esports PC Gaming in Centerville, Virginia, Xanadu Games at Laurel Park, Maryland, and, of course, the Game Gym in Potomac, Maryland as well. All right, Joey, let's hop on over to the community spotlight. And this is going to be dedicated to all of the senior citizens in the gaming and esport world. Senior citizens, that is everyone over the age of 21. Uh, because let's be real here, 16-year-olds are winning th uh, $3 million playing Fortnite. You don't, see, you don't see anyone over 21 doing that except for Ninja. Ninja is like the, the rare occasion here. Right here in Washington, D.C., we have a new pop-up bar. Levels Unlocked House of DC Heroes it is a pop-up bar, again, put on by Events DC and The Drink Company. Uh, and I believe it's in collaboration with NRG Esports, Wizards District Gaming of the NBA 2K League, and our own Washington Justice of the Overwatch League. 
Uh, it's this amazing pop-up bar. Like, it, it sounds weird. Like, to me, when I'm thinking of, like, a pop-up bar, I'm thinking, like, you know, those mall kiosks that just randomly pop up with, like, a different item to sell every time you walk through the mall. Uh, it's not like that. It's it, it's a legitimate uh, bar. It, they, they change the theme inside the bar on a rotating basis. Like, before Levels Unlocked, they had a Game of Thrones uh, celebrating the end of the Game of Thrones run on HBO. So now it's switched over to Levels Unlocked, this amazing gaming and esport themed pop-up bar. Uh, it is currently open right now through September 29th. And from everything we've seen, this place is bumping on a nightly basis. There's a line to get in, but don't let that deter you. Uh, according to their website, the uh, times for the longest lines are between 6.30 and 9.30 p.m. Uh, so if you're a night owl, show up after 9.30. If you're able to get off of work early, no problem getting there a little bit early. Just go ahead and line up and you get in. You get the first dibs at all the amazing drinks that they have there. And you can take in the really, really cool atmosphere. This pop-up bar is located at 1843 7th Street Northwest in the District of Columbia. Joey, we had the opportunity to go to a sneak peek event the day before it opened up. I'm just curious, what were your thoughts when we first got to go to Levels Unlocked House of DC Heroes pop-up bar in DC? Honestly, John, I had no idea what to expect. I had actually never heard of the drink company prior to. They had the, what was it, the pop-up bar at South by Southwest, I believe, recently in collaboration with Events DC as well. And that was the first time I really heard about them. The space they have is awesome. And not only do they have the brick-and-mortar space, but they also have the tent across the street for this one. And the tent across the street had some great arcade games, the brick-and-mortar part itself. The themes, John, the NBA 2K-themed room was awesome. Great use of the chalkboard, basketballs that were shaped in certain ways. It just looks so clean. Then the Overwatch room with the two dragons above from the Hanzo and Genji storyline. It just it lit up, looked so good. The drinks were so well concocted. And just the names, the themes, it just it flowed really well. And not even to mention the Smash Room. The Smash Room that not many people know, the eyes glow red on a weird interval. And John, could, John and I could not figure out the interval for it. But there are all these awesome cutout Smash characters and... It just, it was such a cool space, John. I feel like people have to experience it for themselves. And just a little, you know, point on those red eyes. We stood there for like a good solid 20 minutes talking to people, waiting for those eyes to turn red again. And they never turned red. Joey, this was like when we first got there. So I, I can't blame it on the fact that we sampled almost every drink on the menu uh, <laughs> because we, had, we, we didn't get to that point yet. We were only there for 20 minutes. We are responsible. We paced ourselves throughout the entire night. So... Uh, but it is really cool. The lights kind of dim down and the eyes glow red. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing more terrifying than seeing Princess Peach on a wall with her eyes glowing <laughs> red. She would never have been kidnapped by Bowser if Bowser knew her eyes glow, uh, glowed red <laughs> during the night. That's 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 really <laughs> weird. Uh, but it was really, really cool. And in the Smash Room, you can play Smash. They have a, a side room uh, towards the back. The Smash Bar is probably one of the larger rooms in that pop-up bar. But they also have a big screen TV with uh, a switch hooked up to it so you can play Smash on it. Really, really cool. You can have like your own little mini tournaments there with some of your friends, uh, with other people that are in the bar. It's, it's so cool. And if you love Overwatch and, and you like the story of Overwatch, you like the characters, the Overwatch room all the way in the back of the pop-up uh, pop bar. Joey, I think that's where we spent most of our time. It was such a cool room. They had a TV there playing through all the cinematics. I did not see the Bastion cinematic because I feel like a lot of people still have issues <laughs> watching the Bastion uh, cinematic. That poor, poor Omnic robot. But it was so cool. And Joey, you hit on it. The themes of the drinks were amazing. You could get a Pikachu drink, and it comes in a Pikachu glass. I mean, I wanted to take 
that Pikachu glass home. They wouldn't let me. I tried. I asked. I wasn't going to steal it. I, I asked. They said no, so I returned it. Uh, it, it was really cool. The, the drinks were fantastic. I think the drinks are well-priced. The atmosphere is amazing. Uh, they do have snack foods and everything. But, Joey, that outside tent area that you touched on, they also had a live DJ playing there, and they were playing some of the coolest theme songs from any video games, and they're throwing their own remix to it, and it was bumping. It was such an amazing night there. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I know I'm going to be going back at least several more times before they close down on September 29th. But I, I freaking loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it's really cool to uh, meet more people of the gaming and esport, in, uh, not industry, but community there, really. And then also, it's a great way to show the rest of the world that, hey, gaming and esports still coming up, still relevant. It's so relevant that we have a pop-up bar dedicated to it right now. If you haven't had a chance to go there yet, you definitely need to. It's totally worth it. If there's a line, it's totally worth waiting for. Uh, it's such an amazing experience. Not only that, John, but I do want to touch on a few more of the drinks. So we talked about the Pikachu one in the awesome Pikachu mug, but what were your favorite drinks that really stuck out to you for the night? Obviously, Pikachu was one of them. Uh, one that I have to throw out there is, I believe it was called the Sombra. It was their version of like a pina colada. I want to say it had mint in it too. It was like a pina colada with mint leaves. It was really, really good and really refreshing. I think that was one of my favorites. Uh, the Winston was another one I really liked. Just the fact that it had like a peanut butter undertone to it. It was something I'd never really experienced with a drink outside of like a beer before. But to have liquor with like a slight peanut butter undertone or undertone, I guess you could say, was really cool. So the Winston and the Sombra would be two I recommend. I don't remember the name of it, but like the Hanzo Genji one was also really good. That one definitely pours stronger though. Oh, is that the uh, Super Dragon Bros? It was something like that, yeah. Yeah, the, the Super Dragon Bros uses Japanese whiskey in it, and that definitely uh, took me for a ride. That was that was a very <laughs> strong, strong drink. That one was really good. Uh, contrary to what you would expect from the title of this one, the Princess Peach was actually really good, and it is even garnished with those really cool... Um, Picho uh, rings. Picho rings. Yeah, the, 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 those, those sweet Picho rings. They put those on top of it, too. That was really good. The Gatorade... Or, or, or Gatorade? I think it's, yeah, Gatorade. Gatorade. Uh, that yep. was great. They serve it to you in a Gatorade cup also. So it kind of looks like you're drinking Gatorade. It looks like it's Gatorade too. Tastes fantastic. The Falcon Punch was really good as well. Joey, if you, if you can't tell, I actually have the menu up on my phone right now. And I'm kind of just trying to remind myself of everything here. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh, the, the Sombra Colada, like you were saying, is really good. The Nano Cola was fantastic also. I mean, really, what we're trying to say, guys, is this really not a bad drink here? Uh, they they even have a shot uh, that you can take. Uh, let me see. What is the name of the shot here? The it was NBA 2K themed, right? No, this is the loot box shot. So so it's still oh. Overwatch there. Uh, loot box shot. I believe that's a five dollar shot, but it was really freaking good. Really didn't taste like there was alcohol in it. But then again, Joey, when we did take those shots, it was kind of towards the end of the night, and and we were pretty well on our way at that point in time. I mean, it was quite sweet. Like the going down is very sweet, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So there's a lot of really cool options there, and they also have wine. Hello, wine. Let's go. Wine's <laughs> great. Uh, and they also have snacks: Doritos, Slim Jims, Flaming Hot Cheetos, Pop Rings, and High Chew. Because let's be real here, gamers. That's all we eat, apparently. No, it's really cool. Uh, it, it's it's really cool. Definitely check it out. Uh, you still can go if you're under 21. You do have to be with someone who is legal of age to consume alcohol, and you can only be there before 9 o'clock. So if you're going to go, you need to get there early, get inside early. They do have alcohol-free options as well. So just because you may not be 
of age to drink adult beverages, you can still go there to hang out and experience a really cool atmosphere there as well. Joey, with that, let's check out the pro scene with our Capitol Coliseum, where our Overwatch League team, the Washington Justice, signed two new players going into the final stage of Season 2. And Joey, these guys have been together uh, since pretty much their childhood. They, they pretty much grew up together. They played soccer together. Uh, they gamed together. They were on the same organizations coming up through the Overwatch uh, Academy system together or Contender uh, Series. Uh, they've pretty much been together from day one, so the chemistry between them is already there. And, of course, I'm talking about the Swedish duo, Elivote and Lolsesh. Elivote, an off-tank slash flex main, and Lolsesh, a tank main. Uh, so we're getting two uh, tank players to join the Washington Justice, one main, one off-tank. Uh, really excited to see them finally join this team. But there is one caveat. It would not be esports if we did not have some Visa drama. And uh, that's what we're seeing here is, unfortunately, the visas were not, will not be uh, approved in time uh, for these two players to join the current roster. So, unfortunately, we will not be able to see them here in Season 2, but they will be here and ready to go by the time Season 3 rolls around next year. Uh, so, we're super excited to see uh, what Lolsesh and Elivo can bring to the Washington Justice. They have been tearing it up in the contender scene. Uh, so really excited to see how that chemistry can come to the Washington Justice and really help this team improve. Right, and this is one of the best tank duos you have in the contender scene in general. They played for Team Envy over here, the Dallas Fuels North American contenders team. Before that, they played in Europe for contenders under Angry Titans. They are a very good pairing, and we've seen the synergy, not only because they're both Swedish, not only because they've been together for so long, but they've just played together for so long in-game. And they're, because of that, they're able to make decisions that you don't see normal tank pairings do that have only been together for a short amount of time. They almost know what each other's actions are going to be. And having that kind of chemistry is huge, especially in the front line in a game like Overwatch. And I think that's really going to come to a very good, strong fruition for the Washington Justice next season. On top of that, John, they're actually going to make their debut before the Overwatch League debuts next season. They're going to do it, I believe, in Australia the Washington Justice are playing an exhibition match over there, and the Swedish duo will be able to participate in that. So we will get a fresh look at them prior to Season 3 hitting next year. And, Justice fans, if you still can't wait, both of those players were also picked up for Team Sweden for the Overwatch League World Cup. Uh, so we can check them out there as well. And I believe our very own Corey and Sleepy were picked up for the USA team for the Overwatch World Cup as well. That is correct, sir. Yeah, and Corey has been popping heads as Widow this season. His Widow and Hanzo have looked extremely good. He's even played a really strong Reaper. Corey, I would argue, is playing as one of the best DPS players so far in Stage 4, and he has really been killing it for the Washington Justice, who also have been killing it in and of themselves with a 2-0 start to Stage 4. What about that? Yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. So the biggest factor going into Stage 4 was the fact that we're going to a roll-lock system, a 2-2-2 system. That's two tanks, two DPS, and two healers. You can't have that crazy three healer, three tank goat meta combo anymore. But it has been not that Overwatch kind of, you know, it wasn't fun to watch during the goat meta, but it just started to become really repetitive. Uh, with the 2 2 2 roll lock, we're starting to see DPS players actually getting to play DPS heroes. So it's really exciting. Uh, and in week one on July 26th, the Washington Justice even held a watch party. Uh, at the Washington Castle's tennis court on top of Union Market in D.C., a lot of people came out to watch the Washington Justice take their first win of Stage 4. 
uh, 3-1 over the Toronto Defiant. It was such an amazing uh, atmosphere there, just being on a rooftop tennis court, watching this with, like, it was, I think it was close to, like, 300 people watching the uh, the Justice take their first win of Stage 4. It was really exciting. Right, and just like the sun during the first two maps, they look so bright starting off this stage, John. I mean, the Washington Justice are just clicking on all cylinders. Like you said, the fact that we can actually see DPS players playing DPS champions is huge. No more Brig in there. We don't have to have that annoying flail. What is it? Flail being thrown out here and there just because of goats. It just it feels so much cleaner to see DPS players actually on DPS champions. Corey being able to really pull out his widow to the full ability in stage four. We saw it come out later in stage three, but it never really hit the peak. Now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing Stratus really come online as well. Even the supports for the Justice are playing so much cleaner because of this new meta. We see Sansom coming back into the lineup with the second tank being added. It just feels like this team is playing on a whole nother level now. Not only that, but the smiles on their faces as well. Even before the wins have started coming in, you see the team so much more lively. They're lively on social media. They're having more fun on stage. I just feel like this... The whole roll lock in general has really brought new life to a lot of teams, even at the bottom of the table where we see the Justice currently. And now they're starting to turn it around. They're starting to climb back up. And I have a feeling that roll lock is going to be really beneficial to them heading into Season 3. Taking a look at Week 2 real quick for the Washington Justice also, they pulled off an amazing reverse sweep. The Mayhem came out hard. The Florida Mayhem came out. They played incredibly well. They put the Justice up against the rope going into halftime, leading 2-0 in the map score. The Justice had to uh, pull off the reverse sweep. We had to go five games if the Justice wanted to start Stage 4 with a 2-0 record, and they did it. They pulled it all the way back. They forced that Game 5. Corey was, I mean, really, you, you can't talk enough about how great Corey has played on his Widow and his Hanzo. It's been night and day considering, you know, when he has to when he was stuck in the goats meta having to play Zarya, you know, it's it's a champion or a hero, pardon me, that you know, it, it's really not his it's not in his wheelhouse. You know, he's a DPS player by nature. Like that that's where he made his name. His bread and butter is DPS. If you're gonna put him on uh, a hero in a role that he you know may not be comfortable at, he's not gonna be able to perform at that same high level. And you see that from a lot of pros. During that GOAT meta, we had rosters expand and contract. There's so much roster movement during the GOAT meta phase of Overwatch League that now that we're in this role lock, we're starting to see these DPS players. We're starting to see the reason why they were originally signed to this team because of their DPS skill. And Corey, two weeks in a row, player of the match for uh, for the Washington Justice matches, and rightfully so, absolutely insane. His, his uh, accuracy has been absolutely absurd. Uh, the, the the headshots, I believe in week one, he was like at 47%, which is like absolutely ridiculous. I believe uh, Pokemon Panda, who's MC in the event, said that the best Widow player in season one had an accuracy rating uh, of like 38% or, or like a crit uh, hit of 38%. And Corey's was at 47. Like that was massive. That was absolutely huge. Granted, it was just it was just one week, but that's still massive numbers that Corey's putting up but such a great reverse sweep from the Washington Justice last week as well. Right, and against the Defiant as well, I want to say Sansom had 100% hook accuracy on one of the maps too, which is almost unheard of playing as Roadhog. You miss a hook here and there. I mean, you're playing at the highest level of competition. People know how to dodge hooks, but he landed 100%, so we're really seeing Sansom in a new light as well. We pretty much only saw a little bit of D.Va here and there, but now with him being able to pull out the Roadhog, 
with this new roll lock. It's, it's starting to show some of the skills that these players were drafted for or brought in for originally. Guido also getting more playtime now too. So I'm excited to continue watching the team grow, see how they look going into stage three. I mean, I'm sure changes will still be made. They are still toward the bottom of the table, but it is nice to see the team starting to come together, starting to roll together, and really starting to put some wins up on the board. Uh, they do have a challenge today, though, John, as we're recording. They're playing the Vancouver Titans tonight. The Titans, uh, as their name suggests, they are the Titan of the league right now, standing very firmly in first place. They look incredibly strong. They did fall to the Shanghai Dragons in the playoffs for stage three. But coming in stage four, this is almost a top-of-the-table versus bottom-of-the-table matchup. I think the Justice are going to have a very tall order in this one. That will wrap us up for Washington Justice coverage this week. We will hit that again next week. But one more thing to leave you guys with and to schedule on your calendars, the Washington Justice, in collaboration with their fan club, the Washington Vice and Virtue, will all be hosting the final watch party of Season 2 at Penn Social on August 18th from 4 to 7 p.m. So make sure to get your tickets for that sooner than later as well. Joey, let's change gears real quick and talk about our NBA 2K League team, Wizards District Gaming. Uh, they have just finished Season 2 of the NBA 2K League. Unfortunately, they did not qualify for playoffs this year. Uh, they did in Season 1. Uh, they were knocked out in the first round. Uh, WizDG did go through a little bit, through some growing pains, if you will, in Season 2. Uh, with the expansion of the NBA 2K League, the re-entry draft, there was a lot of roster shakeup and everything as well. Wizards DG brought back Demon JT from Season 1. In the offseason, they traded for Dayfry from the Mavericks uh, organization. Uh, so those are your two returning players from Season 1. But then during the draft, uh, not only did they pick up Paul B and User Pick, but they also brought back Reese DeGod and Gilly. Uh, which is really, really cool to have uh, some of those players from Season 1 come back as well. They already know the organization. They have that chemistry uh, with Demon JT as well. So we knew going into Season 2 there's going to be a little bit of growing pains, and we saw that in the beginning of the season. We saw WizDG go off to a slower slower than, than we wanted start, uh, but it's to be expected. A lot of teams did perform a little bit slower than they did in the uh, first season just because of of the short amount of time they had to get together and everything, and the fact that the, the, the league has expanded so much now, there's a lot more talent in the league. Uh, so there was a lot going in to Season 2. Uh, they started to turn it around uh, towards the middle of the season, and they had a strong finish. Uh, unfortunately, it was just not enough to get back within playoff uh, seeding, uh, but they were able to uh, pull it back to finish about mid-pack in, in the league, uh, finishing in 15th place with a 7-9 and record. Uh, which, you know, I believe they started 0-4 at one point, so they really did uh, turn it around quite well, finishing the season 7-5, uh, and five, really, after that 0-4 start. Uh, so a, a lot to, to, you know, look forward to in Season 3 with WizDG here going forward. Right, and there's a whole lot to unpack here. So one major thing that a lot of people don't necessarily hit on is the loss of Boo Painter in the offseason. Boo Painter had some different issues going on. He ended up being removed from the NBA 2K League, so, yes, they did return players. We saw Reese God come back. We saw Demon JT come back. We saw Gilly come back. But they're coming back to a completely different core of a team. This Wizards team ran so much through Boo Painter last season. So even though you're returning three of your five players, they're still going to play a completely different game because Boo Painter was such a dominant force in the paint for that season one team. So... Yeah, the players are the same, but again, the whole tactical formation around them is going to change. 
The Day Fry trade brings in another really good voice to the team. Strong leader in Day Fry, a very hard person to play against if you're on the opposite team as well, as he yells a lot during the game and he really lets the passion of the game get to him. So I think this team's very emotional, and I think as we saw the season go on, they were able to adapt their emotions into stronger play, and we saw that uh, end up on their record as well. I mean, 7-5, and five, like you said, in that second part of the season with a 7-9 finishing record. So a rough start, but they ended up pulling it together. I think if we see a lot of these players return, depending on what the Wizards DG decide on that, if they want to return most of these players, if they want to try to redraft, I personally hope we see some returns. I think Reese God was really hot toward the end of the season. I feel like Gilly really settled into his role as well. And now that they know how to play this new formation, now that they know what life looks like after Boo Painter, I think this roster with these same players even can get better and better. Uh, I would expect them to return some players. I don't even think they can keep all of them because there is a lot of talent still out in the pool. But at the same point, I, I would be totally fine if some of these players do return great personalities. They've shown they can perform on the court, whether it be one game here, whether it be one game there, or whether it be the end of the season where they all started to look quite hot. I think this team has a lot of potential, but overall it's tough. It's tough coming in regardless of how many players you return. If you lose a major piece like Boo Painter, there is going to be an adjustment period. We saw that at the beginning of season two for WizDG. That will do it for this episode of Game on DC. If you enjoy listening to Game on DC, we want to hear from you. Leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to keep up with all the gaming and esports news right here on the DMV. Joey, where can our listeners go to follow Game on DC? Listeners, head on over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using at GameOnDC to find us. You can also use the hashtag, hashtag GoDC. All right, until next time, I'm John. And I'm Joey. Game on, DC.